Well, let me read a scripture here, or a couple of scriptures while you're still standing. This is uh, the last two verses in 3 John. I had many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be with you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. And it's that last little phrase that uh, I want to zero in on today. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. I'm wanting to speak on the subject of friendship, specifically Christian friendship. <clears throat> now I've read from Third John, but mostly we will be in the book of Proverbs. So if you just want to turn to Proverbs, and a lot of these verses today, I, uh, so, there's so much in Proverbs on this subject. Uh, so I probably won't have you to t turn to all the verses we'll reference, but uh, a few of them we will. So <clears throat> the subject of friendship. I, I guess I've been thinking about this since I stepped down from being an elder. Uh, partly it came about because I received so many kind cards and letters and ha had so many encouraging conversations with people uh, in that time period. It just brought home to me how gracious God has been to give me such good friends. People who care about me and want the best for Renee and I. Just, just, it was such a reality in that time. <clears throat> I think it is true that few things mean as much in this life as friendship. I like the way J.C. Ryle put it. He said, this world is full of sorrow because it's full of sin. It's a dark place. It is a lonely place. It can be a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. I think that's good. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. A real friend is a scarce thing. This is still J.C. Ryle uh, speaking. A real friend is a scarce thing, scarce and rare. There are many who will eat and drink and laugh with us in the sunshine of prosperity. There are few who will stand with us in the days of darkness. Few who will love us when we are sick, helpless, and poor. Few above all who will care for our souls. So, I think the main thing I want to say this morning is that a true friend is a great gift from God. In fact, if you forget everything else I say this morning, 
And just remember that, that a friend, a true friend, a Christian friend, is a gift from God. So I'd like to share a few thoughts on choosing friends because our companions can either be very helpful to us or very harmful to us. We're told this in Proverbs 13:20, "He who walks with a wise man, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed or will suffer harm." Now that's why parents are so concerned uh, concerning the friends their children have. Uh, and children, that's why your mom and dad will kind of monitor who your friends are. I remember when our children were growing up there over you know, on Deer Street, there's some other, quite a few other kids their age around the neighborhood. And Renee wanted those kids to play in our yard. I thought, man, this is going to be wild. <laughs> but she wanted them to play in our yard and come into our home because she wanted to know what these kids were like because we were concerned about the companions that our children would have. So companion of fools will suffer harm. You know, that verse, of course, is not just for raising children and young people. Our companions are important at any stage of our life. And they're not always people that we interact with face to face. They might be friends on Facebook. And in some ways we can have companions from even books we read or TV programs we watch. So consider these verses concerning the acquaintance, acquaintances we should be leery of. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his way and entangle yourself in a snare. Now again, that can apply to people we know face to face, but it also applies on, in social media. There's a lot of people given to anger And the social media, a lot of people that uh, are wrathful. You spend much time interacting with them, it'll affect you. Lest you learn his way and entangle yourself in a snare. It, it seems like in the areas of bitterness and anger, it's especially true that bad company can corrupt good morals. So don't seek friendship with mean-spirited or vengeful type people. So that's the first area to avoid. Another area, this would be from Proverbs 17.9. We need to beware of gossips. 
beware of gossips. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. He who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Good friendships can be harmed if gossips and tale-bearers are not guarded against. Again, that can happen on social media really easy. Proverbs 20:19 tells us, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the gossip. So again, our associations can be harmful if we don't, uh, if we're not careful. A loose tongue can do as much harm as a bitter tongue. To delight in bringing up others' faults is not innocent just because the slanderer might not realize the harm they're causing. You can start something out uh, amongst people not realizing what great harm you're doing by just repeating that matter. So these are the type of things we're talking about the type of associations, the type of acquaintances to avoid. True friends will not bring up your faults behind your back. In fact, he is a truly good friend who speaks well of you behind your back. He's a, he's a true friend who guards your reputation. If you're a Christian friend somebody to somebody, you'll guard their reputation. A true friend is loyal and trustworthy. They stick with you and stick up for you. In a true Christian friendship, there will be a consistent commitment which desires the best for you and will stand the test of time. And, and that, that area of standing the test of time is important. Friendships take time. Friendship, true friendships, you don't build those up in a day or two. Because it takes, it takes trust to be developed. It takes time to develop, to see uh, if this person is really one that I can confide in and trust in. So, and it takes time, just the testing of time, the testing of trials is what really helps develop a true friendship. You know, Job's friends started out pretty good. For a few days, they were sympathetic. They seemed to be faithful friends but it wasn't too long before they turned into fault finders. And about two-thirds of the book of Job are his so-called friends finding fault with him. So we're just talking about the time it takes to develop the type of friendship that we're talking about. Next, we need to beware of those who are perpetually discontented. <clears throat> you might turn to 24, Proverbs 24. 
This is a little bit of a difficult verse, but I think it's uh, one that we can understand. Proverbs 24, 21. My son, fear the Lord and the King. Do not associate with those who are given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin that comes from both of them. So, what's this talking about? Well, uh, let me just read another translation. This, This is the ESV. My son, fear the Lord and the King, and do not join with those who do otherwise. In other words, people who do not fear the Lord or the King. They're, they're the type of people that want to challenge authority. They're the type of people that want to be always against those in positions of authority. Whether that authority is from God or the government, might even be the authority in a family. People who are always upset by the existing structure of things and wanting to change it. Those who seem to be perpetually rebelling against any constraints in their life. These are the kind of people you do not want as friends. Because that will bring calamity into your life also. Those who seem to be perpetually rebelling against the constraints, any constraints in their life. Instead of looking at their own need, their own need to change, they're always looking at what, how other people need to change or how society needs to change. So that's the type of people, that's one type of people to avoid. So we've looked at people that are given to anger, we've looked at slanderers, we've looked at gossips, we've looked here at people who are prone to just be rebellious. Um, In general, I think we can say it's dangerous to associate closely with selfish people. Though they may want to associate with you for their own purposes, you need to be careful about that. Uh, Let's turn back. Well, it should be just one page back. Proverbs 23 Verses 6 through 8. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man, nor desire his delicacies. So we're talking about selfishness here. For as he thinks within himself, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink. Well, that sounds very unselfish. Come on, eat and drink with me. But his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your compliments. So do not eat the bread of a selfish man. And I think that idea there, eat the bread of a selfish man, is speaking about, you know, try to have real fellowship with this type of person. That's what eating a lot of times implies, is having this close fellowship. So don't think that you can have that kind of fellowship with a selfish man. 
For as he thinks within himself how he really is, not how he appears on the surface, you know, come eat and drink with me, but how he is in himself, that's what's eventually going to come out. His heart is not with you, and you will vomit up the morsel you have eaten. So we're talking again about those two, those type of associations, acquaintances to avoid. And you might just, here's another little uh, angle on that if you turn to uh, verse 20 and 21. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. They're just going to pull you down, that type of person. Again, it's just selfishness. We're talking about selfish person. A heavy drinker of wine, a gluttonous person, they're living for themselves. So, we could go on with many examples from the book of Proverbs of the type of companions to avoid. But let me just give one more. We should not confide in or have confidence in a faithless man. A faithless man. They will not be with us in times of trouble. And here's the here's Proverbs, Proverbs 25, 19. Like a bad tooth and unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in time of trouble. It's like bad tooth. You want to chew down on something, and the tooth is supposed to be there to help you chew down on it. What's it do if it's a bad tooth? It makes it really hard to chew your food because it hurts so much. Like a bad tooth or an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in time of trouble. As Christians, our true friends will be those who are friends of God the faithful man, the one who has put their trust in God, not the faithless man, but the faith, faithful man, one who, one, that person who puts their trust in God. Those who are faithful to him, those who are faithful to God, will be faithful to us. In our times of trouble, and our difficult times, faithless men will not be faithful to us. They'll be unfaithful to us. Really, it's in our times of trouble when we find out who our true friends are. Uh, It separates the true friends from what's sometimes called the fair-weather friends. You know, there's a well-known saying that says, a friend in need is a friend indeed. And I think the idea there is adversity brings out who our true friends are and who were just kind of with us when things were going good. Adversity, one person said, adversity is the litmus test of friendship. Another proverb that brings this out, I think, is Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times. A 
friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. There's that idea of adversity. A friend, a true brother, true friend, a true Christian friend is there for us in our times of adversity, our times of trouble. Now, one thing that I think kind of confuses us sometimes is that there's a type of friendship that ungodly people can have, but it's not the kind of friendship that you want as a Christian. Not the kind that we would desire, and it's not the kind that will last in times of trouble. I mean, mafia people probably consider themselves friends with one another until things go awry and they kill one another. A good example of what we're talking about here is that we're told that during the time of Jesus' trial, right before the crucifixion, that Herod and Pilate became friends. Well, that sounds good. They became friends with each other that very day. Before this, they had been at enmity with each other. But what was uniting them? Their unrighteousness. Their unrighteousness united them, at least temporarily. But as Christians, we should put no confidence in the friendship of faithless people. They will not be there in a time of trouble. They'll let you down. Well, let's ask ourselves this question then. If a true friend is one who loves at all times, does that mean that a true friend will never rebuke or challenge us? And of course, you know the answer to that is no, that's not what it means to be a true friend. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. It goes on to say, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, there can be things that are, that a friend would say to us that might seem to wound us, but they're doing that out of their faithfulness to us as being true friends, pointing out an area of need, an area of concern that they see, possibly an area of sin in our lives, some blind spot that we're unaware of. They're doing that because they love us, not because they're against us. They're for us and want the best for us. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I like the way one writer, Charles Bridges, says it. He says, Rebuke kindly, considerately, and prayerfully administered cements friendship. It cements friendship rather than loosening it. Rebuke kindly, considerately, and prayerfully administered cements friendship. Earnest, caring counsel makes for real, lasting friendship, which is sweet to the soul, even if the counsel that we're given may be pointing out needs in our life. We should be thankful for that, 
not resentful. If it's given in love, if it's given prayerfully and considerately. The fact is we all have need for correction from time to time. Nobody is exempt from that. We all need encouragement to grow and persevere in the Christian life. And what I'm saying here is that a true Christian friend, true Christian friends will do that for one another. So faithful are the wounds of a friend. If there's none of that in our friendship, it will be a very unsubstantial, superficial friendship. Now there's a verse I think that points this out using an illustration. and this is Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. It says, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. Now I have a little illustration here that I want to give to the children on this. Just to try to point out what the uh, writer of Proverbs is saying when he says, iron sharpens iron. I have a a knife sharpener and a knife. Now I know you won't be able to see this very well from in the back, but uh, I have a knife and this sharpener. And uh, this sharpener is made from plastic. Most of it's made from plastic, and you. Run that across there, across the blade of the knife, and you do that a number of times, and eventually your knife gets sharp. Now, I said this was made of plastic, but it's not all made of plastic, because the part that you run against the blade of the knife, right up in here, is metal. Now, my question for your children is this. Why didn't they make this knife sharpener out of all plastic. Why didn't they make it out of all of it out of plastic instead of having this metal part? What's the reason? Anybody want to tell? What's that? It wouldn't wouldn't sharpen. The verse would, would not be right if it said plastic sharpens iron. It just won't work. It takes iron to sharpen iron. And that's what you have, this metal against this. And, you know, if, uh, I don't know if you can hear this or not. That sound is metal against metal. And if I was, if I was this blade, I might say, that hurts a little bit. <laughs> I'd much rather you do that with the plastic. But see, that wouldn't sharpen anything. And... This is what true friendship is like. Iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. And uh, we need some iron friends to rub off the dullness in our life and the, the nicks and gouges and make us sharp. A, fr- a friend, a true friend, speaking in 
love, speaking the truth in love, will sharpen our spiritual desires and help us to be uh, better Christians. Um, so that's, that's Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Let me just read it right from the scriptures here. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If that person is a friend to us, they'll, they'll, they'll sharpen us. They won't dull us, they'll sharpen us when we're, when we're with them, when we spend time with them. Um, he who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. That's Proverbs 28, 23. person that just flatters you, that just wants to say things to you to really win you over to their position or their side, uh, is just manipulating you. But the true friend is one who will speak the truth to you in love, and that will sharpen your spiritual desires. It won't dull them. Just a, just a word on the being a, not being a flatterer and being aware of being bewaring the flatterer. Beware of the flatterer. I think Bunyan is one that said that in Pilgrim's Progress. Beware of the flatterer. That their words are a form of manipulation. It's like the deceitful kisses of an enemy. They don't. That enemy that you. You get, that gives you that kiss, it doesn't care about you. It's a, it's a form of flattery. It's a form of manipulation. Proverbs 29.5 says, A man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his, for his steps. They're, they're out to get you, even though they're using words that sound uh, like they really uh, want uh, want to uh, be your friend. They, the flatterer is not a friend. Well, one more verse from Proverbs that I want to mention, which apparently is a little hard to know how to translate, and that's Proverbs 18.24. Why don't we turn to that? Proverbs 18.24. A man of many friends comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Um, the King James, actually, if you have a King James version, translates this a little bit different, and it gives a different uh, uh, understanding of the verse. The King James says, A man that hath a man that hath many friends must show himself friendly. A man that hath many friends must show himself friendly. And I think the idea there is, or at least what it sounds like, is if you want friends, you have to be friendly. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? If you want to have friends, you need to be friendly. Uh, 
one, one writer put it this way. He said, there is a vitamin that you need to take if you want to, ha if you want to have friends. That would be vitamin B1. I think. Vitamin B1. Yeah. I, I don't remember who said this, but I, it wasn't me, I, but I thought it was kind of funny. He said there's a vitamin that you should take if you want to have friends, and that is vitamin B1. <laughs> All right, another, another writer said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can make in two years by trying to get people interested in you. So that's, that's the way the King James takes the first part of that verse. But uh, the New American Standard has a different, it brings out a different meaning for the first part. It says, a man of many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I think the idea there is if we're too concerned about people liking us, you know, wanting to be a uh, friend of everybody in the sense of getting everybody uh, to like you, you might have many friends, but they will not be true friends. They will not be lasting friends. The reality is, is that you can't be a friend of Christ and have everybody as your friend. Jesus himself said, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. If those who reject Christ speak well of, of me, there's probably something wrong with my testimony to those people. Perhaps I haven't been clear enough and consistent enough in just presenting Christ as Lord, my Lord and Savior. Well, that's the first half of the verse, but the second half of the verse, I want to zero in on that. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Real friends will stick with you through thick and thin good times and bad times, happy times and hard times. Real friends will work at keeping good relationships in good repair, keeping relationships in good repair. True friends will work through misunderstandings and disagreements. That's just part of life in a fallen world. There's going to be misunderstandings, disagreements. But a true friend is going to work through those things with you. They're going to work through those things in love. We're told in Colossians that love is the perfect bond of unity. If a, a true friend is one who loves you, and that love is going to work through those difficulties. Love is a perfect bond of unity. So, talking about friendship, we're talking about the fact that it's 
sometimes takes some effort, some work, to keep those relationships in good repair. In Christian friendship, there will be gracious forgiveness of failings and a real effort to be a peacemaker. In a Christian friendship, there will be praying for one another and praying with one another. In a Christian friendship, there will be empathy, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. I mean, that's the kind of friend you want, aren't it? That's the kind of friends we can have as, as Christians, where we rejoice with one another and cry with one another. Um, there'll be happiness over the other's success. If this is a true Christian friend, they're not going to be envious or resentful when you succeed at something. There'll be happiness over each other's success and sorrow over each other's sorrows. There'll be that empathy there. We're talking about Christian friendship here, which is something that only God can give. Sometimes Christian friendship is just taking the time to be a good listener. There's situations where you may not have to, you, you might not know what to say, but one of the best things you can do is just listen. Just be there. So, what we're talking about here, when we're talking about Christian friendship, we're talking about something supernatural. This is not friendship like the world gives. And that's one reason that I emphasize that a true friend is a gift from God. It's, it's something God supernaturally gives. If you've got a true Christian friend, you've got to praise God from whom all blessings flow because it is a great blessing to have a Christian friend. It takes a work of God to have friendships like what we've described here. So I want to bring this to, to a close by saying this. There is only one perfect friend who, who loves at all times. There's only one who is un, an unfailing, unchanging, always faithful friend. Only one who always speaks the truth in love to us. And of course, I'm speaking about Christ, the one who was accused of being a friend of tax, tax gatherers and sinners. He is a friend of sinners. As J.C. Ryle put it, his company, we're talking about Christ, his company is always sanctifying. His gifts are always for our soul's good. His kindness is always wise. His fellowship is always to edification. Never, never was there such a friend as Jesus Christ. I mean, we can say it as a songwriter said, what a friend.
we have in Jesus. In our greatest need, while we were yet sinners, he befriended us by laying down his life for us. And Jesus himself said, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And this is what Christ has done. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. All of us are broken, bruised, spiritually bankrupt people. We're needy people. And Christ is a friend indeed. We're in need. He's a friend indeed. What are some of our needs? Well, we need to know that life has meaning and purpose. Christ, when he befriends us, shows us why we're alive. He shows us what life is all about. We need to have our sins forgiven. We need to know the way to heaven. Christ tells us, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Christ is our friend indeed because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. We need to have one who is an unfailing friend even when we fail. Again, Christ is our friend indeed. Those whom he loves, he loves to the end. If he's befriended you, you're his friend forever. He never changes in his loving friendship. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will always be there for us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he also said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here's a friend an unfailing friend. Never was there such a friend, an unfailing, faithful friend as the Lord Jesus Christ. In our many areas of need, and I just named a few of them here, he is our great, unchanging friend indeed. So what's the proper response for us? What's the proper response to such a friend like we have in Christ? Well, I think the right response is what the bride says to the bridegroom in the Song of Solomon. This is in Solomon chapter 5, verse 16. And really, this is the Christian's response to Christ. This is the, the bride speaking to the groom. His mouth is most sweet. He is altogether desirable. I think the King James says altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend. This, uh, this is what we say as Christians concerning Christ. This is my beloved and this is my friend. Let me just ask you this morning, is that your view of Christ? Where you say from your heart, this is my beloved and this is my friend. It's just 
the way God has set things up, that those whom Christ befriends, they see him as altogether lovely, altogether desirable. Well, in closing, let me say again, a true friend is a gift from God. And the truest friend you can ever have is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. So is he your friend today? He's willing to be. You just have to come to him and admit how needy you are, how much in need you are. You'll find that he will be a friend indeed. Well, let me quote a song here. I think we've sang it in the past, but I don't think it's in our song list, so I just want to read a couple verses from this song, which is entitled, I Found a Friend, Oh, Such a Friend. I found a friend, oh, such a friend. He loved me ere I knew him. He drew me with the cords of love, and thus he bound me to him. You know, it starts out sounding like, you know, I found this friend. The fact is, he found us. He loved me ere before. He loved me before I knew him. And then he drew me with the cords of love, and thus, thus he bound me to him. And round my heart still closely twined those ties which not can sever. For I am his, and he is mine, forever and forever. I found a friend, oh, such a friend, so kind, so true and tender, so wise a counselor and guide, so mighty a defender. From him who loves me now so well, what power, of, what power my soul can sever? Shall life or death or earth or hell know I am his forever? So, a true friend is a gift from God. And that's true on, on the person-to-person earthly realm, but it's so much more true in terms of what the great gift that God has given us in his son.